0: Thousands of indigenous women from more than 170 tribes protested in Brazil's capital, Brasilia, to demand the protection of their ancestral land. Campaigners say people of color aren't always able to access the countryside easily, but they say it's not just about how close you live to green spaces, it's also about feeling welcome. On their hands and knees in one final stand to save their land. This is a protest and one of the more common ones in China these days.
1: The police crime sentencing and courts bill is wide-ranging. Trespassing would become a crime, but travelling communities worry they could find their homes seized.
2: They say patience is a virtue can
0: wait as long to hello and welcome to untelevised the podcast the podcast where we explore possibilities for social change what does that mean? <laughs> that means we look at what the world is what our society is what we might want it to be and how we might get there and importantly what part we might all play in that process. I'm one half of your podcasting host duo (laughs) my name is Paseo and my co-host is Mona. Hello Mona.
2: Hello, Fizeo.
0: <laughs> It feels like it's been such a while since we've sat down and done this, doesn't it?
2: Well, it, it, I think it has been quite a while. <laughs> no, like I, I think we did this last in was it Novemberish time after oh, the wow. COP twenty six uh, <laughs> for the climate see- series that we did um, with Lush. But yeah, that already has been a frighteningly long time. It was a Mm. different
0: year. It was a different (laughs) year. We're now in um, 2022. So happy new year. Um, (laughs) Eid Mubarak. um, (laughs) Happy Easter. All the things that have passed since then. Merry Christmas. (laughs) All all sorts of things that have passed since you last heard our voices. And for those familiar with them, welcome back. Um, (laughs) And for those new to them, welcome. Uh, This we're pivoting slightly from climate but not so far right
2: yeah it seems to be the case with um as we've discovered time and time again with social justice issues they are all very interlinked and it's very difficult to just kind of pull out you know one of the jenga pieces Mm. so to speak or whatever but um yeah we um with the climate season you know we one of the main i guess questions we explored was actually whether you could tackle climate in isolation like could you just fight for climate justice or does it sit in a kind of wider fight for all kinds of justice um, including you know looking at whether it could even happen within our current sort of capitalist system Um, and in that of course with climate you know we explored the way climate change is damaging the land literally um, and how that affects all of us and how it might sort of you know do everything from ruin the spaces that people live in to you know displacing people we m- spoke with many many people very active in working with land you know be that through permaculture or other regenerative practices so now doing a sort of season focused on land um definitely is not um too far of a jump there is method to the madness
0: yeah i mean that that season maybe rather naively i started thinking i knew a lot about climate justice but as it went along discovered how truly um multifaceted the 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 fight is and we will link to that season below because i think it's a great place to start um even maybe before you continue listening to this one Giving people homework already before <laughs> yeah. they've even
2: you know me I like to in. give people things to do <laughs> um, and I think what was what's been a real honour is that um, the, that the climate season was our first um, collaborative season um, we produced it in partnership with Lush um, an ethical consumer magazine and we are again now super honoured to have been asked to do this season um, by the New Economics Foundation and Shared Assets both of whom we will also link to here. Um, and this approach this time is a really interesting one actually like they, those organisations together um, produced a report um, recently called Land for Who and it was a research project um, that looked at whether England could do with setting up like an English land commission which would explore um, how land might be Publicly owned um, and used for public good, you know, managed sort of collectively, um, because England doesn't currently, you know, that doesn't have that. Um, we've had a Scottish Land Commission set up in twenty seventeen, exploring exactly those issues, and so this research project was just was looking at how that might apply here in England. And the report, which we will also link to, um, spoke with many activist groups, people fighting for land justice, working with land in all different ways. Um, And what came out of it very strongly was that before we could even begin at kind of investing into like political infrastructure, I guess around a land commission as well, um, we really needed f- to build a strong understanding of what land justice even is um, and how it links with other sort of social justice issues and social justice movements. And so with this podcast, I guess we're kind of um, digging into the topics of that report, like bringing it out a bit Um hopefully hopefully sort of taking it off the page um as we like to do
0: yeah exactly um it's interesting isn't it because um a friend the other day asked me oh what what's going on with the podcast at the moment what are you doing and i said oh we're doing a series on land and they said a series on land like what is there to say (laughs) like you walk on it you (laughs) drive on on it it. you have a house on it you sit but like what what are you going to do a whole series about and like we ended up having hours and hours of conversations on some of the topics that we've covered Mm. like we spoke about race we spoke about um class we spoke about gen like there were so many things that just offshot from the topic of land and i hope that these are conversations that you're also you won't hear me and my friend quite but you'll hear some (laughs) friends that I met through interviews having some of these conversations because like Mona says it's such a multifaceted issue and one that we take for granted I mean even as we're recording it's the 90th anniversary of something called the Kinder Scout trespass. Now Kinder Scout is the highest point in the Peak District and 90 years ago in April 1932 Hundreds of people gathered for a mass trespass of this area Um, and essentially what that meant was walking on private land Um, the Kinder Scout at that time was private land and demanding that it was accessible for all. Now five people were arrested as a result of that trespass although hundreds of people took part and it's widely believed to be the trigger for much of the legislation around public access to land that has come since then in the UK. So almost two decades later, 17 years later, the National Parks legislation was passed and that made the Kinder Scout Peaks (laughs) as well as many other places public um, and introduced things like public footpaths and things like that um, throughout countrysides. Uh, But there's still a long way to go. I know it sounds crazy, the idea that people might be arrested for walking. (laughs) But if you actually think about when you walk around anywhere outside of the more urban area where you live. So, for example, we live in the city of London. The amount of signs that you see that say things like private property, no public access, no trespassing. And actually, um, when you look into the statistics, the majority of the English countryside is out of bounds for most of the population. So 92% of the land um, that we have in England um, and 97% of rivers are off limits to the public. And that means that legally, um, we can't wander off of certain footpaths, we can't swim in certain rivers, we can't like explore this land that, I think we probably all take for granted and think is like for all of us but actually legally we're not allowed to be on a lot of the land that we um technically occupy so it's a lot um deeper even legally than we might think but even on a practical level i mean look at the last couple of years with lockdown we saw how access to even urban land is so unequal i mean those of us that were lucky enough to have gardens were able to sit out in our garden when we were locked down others were confined to four walls you know um once you've scratched the surface there's so many things you uncover with this topic so really excited to share with you some of the nuanced conversations that we've had around this Absolutely. Um, as with everything we explore with Untelevised,
2: it, um, it, it is always a bit bigger and more complex than it might sound um, at the outset. And so the way we have approached um, this series is starting from the position where, you know, we don't yet have a land commission and where this idea of maybe collective ownership and, um, you know, a sort of a world in which we do all have land Um, if we start with the assumption that that's not currently the case um, and we look at the way you know the world is presented to us at the moment where people are having to literally you know cross borders cross oceans to find safer land and we're even here in the UK you know we have thousands of people um you know sleeping on streets and you know not owning land and not having access to land so if we start with our current unfortunately not you know most um positive situation we are exploring in our first episode what it means to move um what movement means for people and why we move how we move where we start from where we move to um and look at the notion of when we don't belong to land
1: or when land doesn't belong to us. I gained, and sort of other traveller kids and other kids at least, um, gained a really interesting perspective on spaces because you see a place in a very sort of specific time, you transform that place then as well. So we create a new space with the land and then we go. And it's really kind of fascinating for other people what we do to their space. There's nothing wrong with wanting somewhere stable to live in, I think it's the most sensible thing in the world. But I think part part of what some people dislike about Travellers is that um, it feels like an affront to that Mm -hmm. way of viewing things. So when someone comes along and isn't playing that game, I think I I wouldn't go as far to call it envy, but it is a sense of like, hang on, what's, what's he playing at?
2: In our second episode, we will then explore, perhaps once movement has taken place or has been forced to take place, what it then might mean to belong to land. Um, And actually I think most people might immediately think, don't you mean what it means for land to belong to us? (laughs) But actually um, our guests explore actually what it also means for us to belong to land as opposed to just what possession means when we own land. Um, what does that mean legally what does it maybe mean financially but actually what does it mean sort of socially spiritually mentally to feel safe to have land to have somewhere to be how do we create that what does that do for us as a society
1: honestly um i think when it comes to our relationship to land um you don't need to feel a sense of ownership but you do need to you need to feel a sense of agency and it goes back to that same thing can i actually do something here can i actually enact my will in this space. Um, this is where I, I think design comes in. Now, essentially, a lot of people see design as like maybe an aesthetic thing or um, where we're creating something of beauty just because it looks nice, it appeals to a certain taste or flavor. But for me, design is about intention and intention is like a precursor to like your purpose, your belonging, right? So. When, when you have your purpose, you set an intention for what you see the world can be and how you want to experience the world and how you want to create experiences. Um, essentially being able to be in a place and make changes and shape that place and shape those relationships and those experiences, that's the relationship we have to the land. It's being able to, to nurture and utilize the land, but not use it
2: for our third episode, um, or our third sort of chapter, I guess you want to call it. Um, Once we then hopefully have established what belonging means, um, as always, as we also did with climate, we don't just want to prevent damage, um, we'd like to actually restore (laughs) and improve the earth. What might it then mean for us to be healed, by the land or again, how we might heal the land if we're gonna go back to draw upon our climate seasons. So again, not just belonging, not just having somewhere to put down our bags and have a bed to sleep in, but actually how might we start to benefit from land? How might it start to nourish us? And equally, how might we give back to that land?
3: I grew up in a very inner city, kind of really industrialized area, you know, on an estate. and was always hearing police sirens. And actually now to live in an environment where I don't hear the police and I hear birdsong, my nervous system is relaxed. There's also this deep grief that many of us sit with, given that our ancestries, our traditions were connected to the land that we're not even probably aware of. Like we long, we feel well when we experience sun, we feel well when we experience sea. And so I think there's also so much unknown around what Healing needs to take place given that some of us have been born into environments where we're so removed from our relationship to the environment, we don't even know that we're longing for it or we're grieving it.
2: And then finally, for our sort of fourth exploration, as with Untelevised, we always like to look at real possibilities for social change and we like to try and at least leave you with some actions or hopes or ambitions once we've hopefully belonged and maybe start to heal both ourselves and the land we then look at what a future where land is not scarce might look like what a different society might look like where nobody's fighting over land where there isn't wars where there aren't settlements where there isn't colonialism where actually we're living in a world of abundance Um, and we're truly able to create some sort of fulfillment and happiness and sustenance for all humans and for the land Um, and so yes as always we like to get we go big get philosophical get existential but also very very practical how might we get there
3: you know it's quite evident that land is not going to be abundant if we continue to govern it in the way that we do govern it. There isn't the sort of physical and ecological space for everybody to enjoy the kind of private luxury that the elites currently enjoy. If everybody sought to have tennis courts and swimming pools and second homes, then Newcastle would have to expand to be the size of London and London would have to expand to cover most of England. Um, But what there is space for, there is the physical and ecological space for everyone to enjoy public luxury. You know, we have got the room, even on our crowded islands, for magnificent parks and playing fields and public swimming pools and nature reserves and allotments to meet the needs of all. A need to access beauty just as much as a need to access what we need to, to survive. Um, So I, yeah, I would say that if we want to deliver abundance for all with land, then a guiding principle ought to be private sufficiency and public luxury.
0: Thank you, Mona, for that beautiful rundown (laughs) and um, insight into the conversations that we've had. And I really hope that you have enjoyed listening to those snippets as much as we enjoyed speaking to our guests To tune into the full episodes, they'll be released fortnightly as usual. Please do follow and subscribe to the podcast. In the interim, you can also rate and review us. It really helps us to get these conversations to wider audiences. And you can do that both on Spotify and Apple now. And lastly, do follow us on social media because... On those platforms, Instagram and Twitter, we have wider conversations around the things that are discussed on episodes, and it's also one of the main places that we can hear back from you. Um, we welcome DMs, comments, etc., etc. And on both of those platforms, we're at untelevised underscore TV. If you're not on social media, you can email us as well on talk to Untelevised at gmail.com, and that's the digit two rather than um, T-O. Uh so until next time, we look forward to speaking to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. Bye. Call me
2: a dreamer, idealistic believer, put my head in a cloud. I don't want to calm down, but my feet are planning on to start ground. My ground
1: My ground is a cloud No man has the right to own mountains Any more than the deep ocean bend I'm a rambler, I'm a rambler From Manchester way I get all my pleasure The hard fallen way I may be a wage slave on Monday, but I am a free man on Sunday.